Hey guys, welcome back to the Speak Up podcast, the show in which we talk about everything marketing and entrepreneurship. In this episode, we have a chat with Abhash Kumar. He's the head of marketing at Springworks, a pioneering HR tech startup based in Bangalore in India, my hometown. We speak about how Springworks grew and changed as a company thrice over 3 years and how Abhash grew with it as a marketer and as a leader. We speak about his ideas on creating company culture, mentorship, motivating and inspiring his team and a whole bunch of other things. He also recently started a podcast and we spoke about that too. Clearly, we unpacked a lot of different things in this episode. So you know it's going to be quite interesting. We hope you enjoy this episode as much as we enjoyed creating it. You know, you've been at Springworks now for like 3, 3 and a half years, right? How's how's that been like for you? Cuz you know when so I actually joined Springworks 3 months I think before you did. And at that time it was a completely different company okay. uh, as it is right now. So how's that journey been like for you? Yeah, I mean I keep saying this to everyone I meet and anyone who asks me about working at Springworks and it's been like three different experiences in the 3 and a half years that I have been a part of Springworks and you know they say this thing that you could have like 10 years experience but you could essentially have one year of experience repeated 10 times right that has certainly not been the case at springworks because like as like you said uh, in the first year it was mostly about you know the blockchain linkedin on blockchain that we were building spring roll and uh, of course it's sort of on the back burner for now because uh, we have we are sort of focusing on these other things but first year was about that uh, second year was about you know while building spring roll we figured out the problems with uh, the background verification industry and how it was in the past uh, in india and we started solving that problem and the third year was af- after the pandemic hit uh, one of our main challenges was you know how do we engage our employees how do we uh, motivate them uh, you know in terms of retention how do we do rewards and recognition and we started building solutions to solve our own problem and uh, that's where you know these slack apps and ms teams apps apps came into the picture which is now being used by you know 12000 plus workspaces so yeah like i said all three years have been three completely different experiences that's so that, that's so interesting and you're right about you know your career shouldn't be just one year of experience repeated 10 times so that's that's pretty cool before we get into detail about springworks can you describe briefly what is springworks for our viewers and also for lydia and alice because i don't think both of them are like extremely familiar with what the company is and what is your role at springworks sure so springworks is an hr tech company based out of well we are not based out of bangalore now we are a dis- fully distributed company now we took that decision last year itself of course everyone is remote for now but uh, now we are never coming back to office fully distributed company majorly based out of india uh, we also have a us entity uh, as well uh, but yeah what essentially springworks is we are trying to build tools uh, for the hr ecosystem so for hr people in hr uh, people who do people ops and uh, basically you know we use uh, all of our products are built from a baseline of empathy so we sort of build these tools for our our own use case in fact that's true for almost everything that we built uh, we try to solve our own problems like i mentioned and in the process uh, we built something very nice and it seems to be working out for us because you know other people are also liking it but uh, the suite looks like this the product suite looks like this uh so uh, there is spring verify which is the background verification product so and you want to conduct background checks on employees uh before uh, you know they start with your company uh we have that uh then there is spring recruit uh, which is an free forever applicant tracking system uh essentially sort of a top of the funnel acquisition channel for us so that's why it's free and we want people to start using it when they are early in their game when they are you know sort of swimming in these google sheets excel sheets we want to give them a better alternative but because you know these are young startups they can possibly not Uh, you know afford it so we give it out for free and we hope that you know because they start with us over time they figure out some of our other products as well and as they grow we can grow with them and then there is of course spring roll uh, which we started off with which is essentially linkedin or blockchain uh, like i said it's sort of on the back burner now but we have you know some plans to revive it 
uh, in the next two quarters, next couple of quarters. And then there is trivia and engage with, which excites us the most, which is something we built last year. So we launched trivia in June of last year. Uh, it's essentially an app for Slack and MS Teams and being built for web. We should uh, be building the web app, I mean, launching the web app in a couple of months. Uh, it allows you to play virtually games inside Slack and MS Teams. So the idea is, you know, all of you are working, all of you are having these discussions on Slack, but primarily doing work async, right? Uh, so how do you sort of bring the team together? So the idea with Trivia is to bring, to, to sort of introduce those two to five minute breaks to your workday so that the team comes together and plays these, you know, fun games like quizzes. Uh, there is water cooler conversations happening. So it, there will be a, like a prompt and then, you know, people, uh, so for example, it could be something like, which is the favorite place you have ever visited in your life, right? And then with that prompt, people start commenting and then it's sort of, you know, conversations start happening. Oh, you went there. I love this place. You know, uh, let's talk about it. And all sorts of side conversations uh, pop out of uh, trivia. And then the last one that we are sort of in the process. I mean, we have already launched it, but it is, it is still in the GTM phase is engage with, which allows you to uh, reward and recognize your uh, teammates, your managers, all of that again inside Slack and MS Teams. So yeah, that's what the companies and the, that's what all the products are. Right. And what, and so that, that's like a lot of different things. That's really a lot of, it's, it's totally different from what it was three years ago. So it looks like you guys have grown a lot. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, uh, we, I would say we are trying to go for the hire to retire model, as in we want to build solutions for every stage of the employee from hire to retire. Uh, but we are pretty clear about uh, not going into the payroll side of things. So when you think of a, you know, full stack HRMS, you have everything, right? Including payroll. So minus the payroll, we want to get into all of that. Right. And so what's your role been at Springworks over the last three and a half years, starting from when you joined to what it's evolved into right now? Because when you joined, I remember it was just, so I, I was the, I think I was the first member of the marketing team, weirdly enough, as an intern. And then, uh, you know, we hired Aditya and then you came on as well. And then there was just the three of us, right? And then yeah. now it's become this really huge team. So how has your role evolved from, you know, like 2018 up until now? Sure. So yeah, like you said, uh, when I joined, it was just you and Aditya and Aditya was a contract uh, sort of an employee, right? And you were an intern and I was the first full-time hire. And of course, you know, it, it was great help having you two there, but uh, I'll talk about what happens, ha what happened once you two left. And of course, you know, the first year, all of us were just figuring out blockchain, this crypto world, the world of initial coin offering. And we figured out how to build communities on Telegram and all that sort of stuff, right? Uh, so yeah, like I said, I have been figuring things along. And then once uh, you left and like, like, uh, like I said, you know, we figured out that people were not ready for blockchain backed LinkedIn yet. Uh, one of the problems was, of course, the positioning itself, right? When you say block LinkedIn on blockchain, people will uh, inherently, you know, start comparing it with LinkedIn. So maybe that was a problem with positioning as well. But, you know, people don't really care about what's powering the platform, right? They care about the UI, UX, whether it solves their problem. And uh, yeah, compared to LinkedIn, definitely nowhere, right? But Interestingly, we keep getting many people on the website still, but that's Spring Roll. And like I said, we while we were building Spring Roll and we were trying to, one of the things that we wanted to do with Spring Roll is to solve this problem of verified profiles, right? On LinkedIn, anyone could essentially create a profile under some pseudonym and you know, there is no way for you to figure out whether this person works at Facebook or Google. I mean, you could ask Facebook or Google, but on the face value of it, if there is a profile, there is no way for you to figure out. So that was the problem we were trying to solve with Spring Roll and, you know, background verification was one part of it. So we wanted to solve it with three layers. One of the layers was, you know, doing actual uh, manual background verification as you do for any employee background check, right? And that's when we started working with some vendors based out of India and we realized that there were so many uh, challenges and, you know, the business seemed like it was still in 2010 
although we were in 2018 and so it, it seemed all backwards and that then we thought you know we could come in and solve them with our own uh, technology interventions and that's when we started doing spring verify and then with spring verify taking off uh, it's now almost it's going to be three years and running and that's our you know cash cow that's the product that makes us all the money that allows us to run these other uh so to so to say experiments but um that's when we thought you know oh why don't go one step ahead and start building this full stack hrms so from i started mostly working on the community side with along with you and aditya and then it evolved into doing all sorts of things like uh, you know the first um, the first problem that we started solving for in as a marketing team was content right so you built a content marketing engine hired our first content marketer that that's when uh, we grew our team by 100% right it was just me and then one more person joined so we grew by 100% one to two and then uh, you know and then we started introducing all these other so majorly the team has grown in the past 6 16 to 18 months or so when we brought trivia and engage with into the equation as well so at this point this is a 13% team and two more offers already rolled out so it will be a 15% team by the end of september and my role currently is uh, vp marketing or i mean that's just a role is essentially i had the marketing team and so there is content marketing there is a product marketing function which is like three people and then there are uh, there, there is a three person design team which is one graphic designer and two ui designers and uh, then there is an seo team uh, fairly you know i mean seo has definitely been one of the biggest uh, growth engines for us we have grown from like what 3000 page views per month to 40000 page views per month in almost a span of 12 to 13 months or so now and uh, yeah a couple of people working on the podcasts as well which i'm pretty sure will come up in the conversation at some point which was started in the last uh, five and a half months or so that's so cool that you know like so when you started it was just you and now yeah. there's like 15 people and you're the one responsible for managing all of them oh yeah that's and how how did you grow into that you know what were the challenges that you faced when you know it's totally different when you're just working by yourself directly with the ceo and you know some of the core team to you know like doing that as well as managing a 15 person team so what were the challenges that you had to grow into lots of challenges you know managing people i mean execution is the easy part managing people like i i tweeted about this i saw this somewhere code is easy people are hard right and code is basically you know a placeholder for marketing sales whatever right anything to do with building the business is easy it's the people management part that is hard and i'm learning that um, as i go along uh, so just to set some context with the first job that i had which was with your story which you know covers startup stories in india sort of like the tech crunch of india if you may uh, there also i was directly reporting to the ceo and uh, in the next job i was directly reporting to the ceo and in this job i am directly reporting to the ceo which essentially means i have never worked under a manager and uh, if if i had one qualm about my career it would be that i have never worked under a manager as such i mean ceo is of course your manager but ceo is the manager for hundreds of other people in the company right so you are never really sort of having that interaction uh in terms of strategizing and figuring out tactics and that sort of stuff of course the ceo is involved but that is something i in hindsight i feel like i missed out on and at this point i can't go back to that because now i'm expected to manage people wherever i go right of course i am at springworks currently and so having felt that as a challenge for me uh it's it's almost like i i don't want to use the word overcompensate but i'm very particular about you know that that same challenge does doesn't come to any of my teammates and that means essentially you know spending a lot of time with them having one on ones uh figuring out what where they want to be in their career so how i see this is and you know if two years down the line they want to leave the company and they go somewhere else in a different company the the manager that will have them in that next company 
they should be shocked by how good they are that that would be my only you know uh, what to say uh, a win for me right that would be a win for me if you know the next manager says oh you are so good who trained you or where did you work right i mean who trained you is like very yeah it's being selfish like i did not do everything because you work with a team that's where you learn everything but but yeah that's that's the uh, biggest thing that i think of whenever i interact with people and uh, yeah the other thing is you know we have uh, one interesting thing that we have done and you mayank would know this we have this developer internship route within stringworks right uh, which has worked very well for us uh, so we take students in their third year of college and we sort of train them on the job so they work on live projects and that's how they become you know developers and then they join us full time so we started doing the same with marketing as well and it has worked out beautifully for us so in the current team of 15 people seven people have come via the internship route and this includes a couple of people who were doing something else so one person was a mechanical engineer like in the truest sense they did mechanical engineering and were working in something related to mechanical engineering other person is a recruiter uh, the third person was a technical um, support engineer right and all these three people are now marketers so they chose to quit their current jobs and intern with us for 6 months these are people with experience and then they have moved into the marketing role so you know just seeing them grow in their role achieve so much over this short span of time that's what keeps uh, me going and like i said you know it's it's a it's a learning experience every day is a challenge as a manager uh, you you want to become a manager at some point when you are starting your career and you feel like you know you want to be the person who wants to give ideas and you know assign tasks and such but when once you become a manager you feel like oh i mean that was so much easy i, I should have just stayed being a individual contributor so when we speak of mentorship you know you 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 said that you you feel like you want to you know prepare your team so that even if they leave after 2 years you know they go to a place and they're like wow you know this this is the the best that this person could have been right how do you do that what what are the things that you tell your teammates how do you inspire and how do you motivate your teammates and particularly like for example your interns as well sure uh, i think this is something that i have learned from the founder uh, the ceo of springworks karthik mandavilli so i can at times be you know i start thinking of oh you know maybe this person will not be able to take so much let's remove some of some things off the plate especially when it comes to interns right but karthik has this different approach where he likes to push people at least when they are interns and i have seen enough and more examples of this like there have been a few people who have not worked out and those were the people who were not pushed enough it's essentially the people who were you know pushed so i for example would think you know this person is not ready for x task right because they don't know anything about the task but the approach that karthik takes and now i have learned from him is you know let them figure it out give them task x let them figure it out if they have any questions of course we are here to support them right uh, you as a manager me as the founder or anyone else in the company right and that seems to be working beautifully like that's that's the one thing that has like if i think about the top 3 like i said seven people who have come by the internship route top two top three people who are working beautifully are the ones who were given tasks they had no reason to be uh you know assigned those tasks like they knew nothing about it at all but they just picked it up because, because you know the best employees or the best you know people in any any circumstances circumstance are the ones who figure things out on their own they're not waiting for permission from someone else or their time uh to figure things out right they will not ask for like 45 minutes on your calendar can you take me through this step by step no they will figure things out on their own make mistakes and that's where the manager or the other teammates will come in and say hey um okay i understand that you are figuring out on this own but this is not the correct way to do it here is how you do it right so yeah that's that's one of the major things that i have seen uh and that's sort of become the uh 
um, the way I manage people, so to speak. Right, I see. And and about figuring things out on their own, this is something that you also did as a marketer. Oh, yeah. Right, because when you started marketing, you, so you, you're not, you didn't study marketing, you studied engineering in Manipal, just like me. And you got into marketing after that, right? So, yes. so how did you figure that out on your own? Oh yeah. So interestingly, here is how I got into marketing. So I started with your story. Of course, you know, before that, um, st I had started an, a startup in college along with a friend and that didn't work out as in the startup lasted around eight years, but it didn't work out for me because I figured out that, you know, I was not meant to be an entrepreneur at this, at that point, I wanted to work at a company. And then I joined this company, which is now the most valued startup in India. But at that point, it was, of course, I was employee number 20, something called Baiju's. You might've heard of it. Uh, but till that point, I was doing sort of sales business development. And yeah, that's what I keep saying. Uh, stint in sales at the start of your career in whatever form right it helps with marketing a lot but anyway uh, keeping that aside that's when I came into your story and your story I joined to build community because I was you know uh, very entrenched in the community by then having started my own startup and you know attending all these events so that's what I was hired for and uh, on the side I would be the I was the backup guy for the social media marketing person so so as you can imagine it was a media company so news cycle was you know 24 7 and whenever this guy wanted a break maybe on weekends or maybe you know um, he he was off for a day i would be the backup person who would handle social media and then this one fine day this person uh, decided to leave the company it was almost sudden uh, there was no notice period or as such and so then I was asked because of the fact that I was the only other person on the team that knew anything to do with social social media, I was asked to take over social media. And that's where my learning process began. Whatever I had learned from doing social media as backup. And then I started picking up things on my own, you know, talking to other uh, people on the team, uh, figuring out what sort of uh, content works best. This was a media company, right? Uh, creating smaller communities, hiring my first person. So yeah, lots of figuring out. I think the question you're trying to ask is, has it become easier over time? Mm -hmm. uh, it has, it has become easier over time. At, at least in 2014, when I'm talking about, it was not as easy to figure it out. There were enough blogs. There was YouTube still back then, uh, but especially now, uh, things have become easier. So for example, a person who we moved, not sort of moved, is still with marketing, but he's now also doing product growth. And again, he has no business doing product growth. He has never done that in the past. But how we went about it is, uh, we had him enroll in a cohort-based course, right? Which was essentially run by two product managers and uh, they take them through this four week to six week journey of how to talk like a product manager, uh, what sort of um, things that you have to do as a product manager and things, things of that sort. So I'm seeing, you know, figuring things out on your own uh, is going to become easy with, with you know, these. So, th so there is this something called um, ghost knowledge, right? And this is not my term. I read it somewhere. And there are all these people who are practitioners who are very good at what they do, but not everyone is focused on tweeting out all their lessons, experiences, right? There are very, few, it's a very small minor percentage of people who actually post about their learnings and experiences on LinkedIn or Twitter. But then there are so many other practitioners where the knowledge just gets held up within the company, right? Maybe with the 10 or 20 people that they work with, it never gets out. And they could be working at companies with massive scale and you will never know how they did things, how they grew, grew the company. Now with cohort-based courses, what is happening is some of these people are opening up because they are being asked by the curators of the course to come and take a couple of sessions. So I think massive amount of knowledge will get unlocked because of just because of the fact that there are so many cohort based courses happening. And this will be the best way for junior employees uh, with one year, two year experience, or even some of the senior employees like 
for example, I am very, uh, I would say I am better at brand marketing versus performance marketing. But if I want to learn performance marketing, I can just join one of these cohort based course. Yeah, if I, maybe I digressed uh, uh, a little bit, but yeah, there is, there is lots of uh, positive things happening in terms of, you know, unlocking that knowledge and figuring things out. Right. I, I, I think Lydia has a question. Sure. Yeah, actually, uh, I just want to go back what you said before, as you mentioned a lot about training and the mentorship, especially since your company is about HR. So my question is like, what is a good mentor for you? And moreover, like, do you have any suggestion for people who just started their careers? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, I think mentorship is still very underutilized. Every person should figure out a mentor for themselves. Uh, at the beginning of their career, I did. Uh, when I was uh, part of your story, I met this person called Dinesh Kandelwal. Uh, he was the person who had been doing SEO when it was Black Hat SEO, right? So this is a person who started doing SEO in 2004. So you can imagine the breadth of experience that this person has. He's worked for some of the biggest, uh, now biggest startups in the country. Uh, has digitized some of the business, like literally taken them from being brick and mortar, paper businesses to online, right? So yeah, finding mentors, uh, definitely. How do you find them? Well, it's become easier today in the sense that it's become easier to reach out to people, right? If, if this was say seven years ago or 10 years ago, very difficult to even figure out like you had to literally meet them at a networking event or something, right? But now with Twitter and LinkedIn, it's very easy to, because there are so many people sharing their knowledge, you can always reach out to them and uh, try to get them uh, to mentor you. And how you do that is by not just, you know, randomly asking them to mentor you, you offer them something in return. You show them that, that you're willing to do the work, right? And that's where, you know, the skills of cold email and approaching people with the right um, incentives right everyone needs incentives right for a mentor the incentive is the uh, is the is the high that you get out of you know your mentee uh, improving in their jobs uh, becoming exponentially better like i said whenever i see you know employees uh, sorry team my teammates getting better that gives me a high so there you would you would be surprised how many people are open to mentoring other people even when they are so busy it just needs the right approach yeah, I hope that answers your question. Yeah. And like I said, that's also the that's also where cohort-based courses come in, right? So it's not just the learning that happens. And you know, I keep mentioning this again and again because I'm very, very uh, big on cohort-based courses, like I said, unlocking knowledge, but it's the community that comes along with it, right? Now you have a bunch of learners who are almost on the same level as you. And then you're learning from people who are a little bit plus, right? So there is this concept of plus minus equal, which is the Shamrock system, which is to say that at any point, you should be learning from three sets of people. One plus, right? Someone who is ahead of you in your journey, maybe one or two years senior than you. Uh, minus is basically you mentor someone who is one or two years junior to you. And, you know, teaching is one of the best ways to learn, right? You clarify your own thoughts and uh, method systems by teaching them something else. And then there is, of course, the equal, wherein, you know, someone equal to you, which most of us do. Most of us do learn from equals, but it's the plus and minus, which is mostly missing from that system. Uh, I think Alice has another question as well. Yes. So my, my question is also about learning. Uh, like you have um, mentioned, you've changed a lot uh, from your uh, original background to your current uh, position. So what is your main way to learn? Sure. Uh, so yeah, I'll go back to 2014-15. So majorly I was learning through doing um, of course, you know, the, the things that I would pick up. So for example, any growth experiment that I wanted to try, and this was when I was back in your story, uh, the media company that I mentioned, right? Any growth experiment that I would want to try would come from reading some blog or watching some video, right? But the beauty of it was, I was given a free hand in experimentation. So one thing which was looked down upon at your story 
was the smaller mistakes. Being a media company, you can't make grammatical mistakes or, you know, your tweet can't go out with a snafu or some sort of a, a spelling mistake or such, right? Those were looked down upon. But if you spent two, two lakhs rupees on a campaign and it bombed, it was never looked down upon. It was like, you know, okay, we did it. We tried it. It didn't work out. That's fine. We, we learned something out of it. So yeah, essentially, you know, reading all this uh, knowledge from people who were in the same position as me. So I would learn from other media practitioners. I would see what other media companies were doing in the space, not just from India, from elsewhere as well, as in, you know, just go through their Facebook page, right? Uh, of course, now there are multi multitudes of platforms, but at primarily at that point, it was for us, the main channels were Facebook and email. And uh, yeah, I just learned a lot by, you know, you sign up with, you, you sign up to some other competitor or some other newsletters, right? Or you sign up to another company's, uh, uh, another company's uh, product and you get this onboarding sequence, right? So that's where you start learning from and you apply some of those things uh, uh, to, to your own, uh, email sequences or you post you you found this better format of posting an image to go along with a post you do that you try it out if it works uh, very well if it doesn't that's also but but the beauty of it was the sort of scale we had at your story you could actually you know figure out if this experiment is moving the needle as opposed to say if we were a very niche media player with like say I don't know, 5,000 page views per month. I would not have been able to figure that out. But we were a media house, which at that point, 2014, had 1 lakh page views per month, right? So you do these small things, you were able to see the impact. Yeah, so I would say mostly, you know, lots of experimentation, uh, lots of figuring things out, making mistakes. Uh, and like I mentioned, some really expensive mistakes as well. I see. So it's, it's, so it's a lot about, so it's, it's like this growth mindset essentially where you just like throw spaghetti on the wall and then you see what sticks. And then when you see what sticks, you just do that more. And that's just how exactly, you... exactly what sticks becomes the playbook. And, uh, yeah, that's the one thing about SAS, which we are doing now. Um, we are mostly in the SAS space. Uh, it's slightly easier in the sense that SAS is the most a recipified business out there like there is a playbook for every single possible thing as opposed to b2c which is an open field right it changes very very fast b2b most of the things are playbooks which also means that you know you are essentially doing the same things that your competitor is doing so it's difficult to stand out but at the same time it's i would say definitely easier compared to b2c right so speaking of, you know, sharing your knowledge and sharing the internal knowledge from a company outside, I've, I've seen that for Springworks and for you particularly, I think even before you joined Springworks, like LinkedIn is a huge part of your marketing strategy. I see that you, as well as Karthik, the CEO, you share a lot of your internal learnings on LinkedIn and you have like 36,000 followers on LinkedIn now. How has that been like for you? How did you get, I mean, how did you grow your LinkedIn following and how did you grow your LinkedIn influence? Hmm. So I would say at that point, at this point, exactly when we are doing this discussion, I have become less consistent uh, because I just, you know, feel like, I mean, I'm out of that phase currently, so to speak, but the phase that you are talking about where I grew my LinkedIn massively was the phase I, where I was putting out posts consistently. And yeah, this is a recurring theme, right? You know, you ask anyone why they grew something, it's because they do did something consistently. And, you know, it is true even for average content. Like, for example, you see the, uh, the highest growth accounts on TikTok and you have got this Kabi Lame, right? And he essentially does this very I mean, there is no value in it, but he's just doing that consistently. And you, just, you see that over and over again on the reels also. And yeah, this is a recurring theme. You just put out things consistently. Uh, so what happens is, and I've always believed in this. Many, many a times uh, what you're asked to do is focus on quality 
like you know instead of putting out 10 average posts just focus on putting out one very good post i don't agree with that at all i think quality follows quantity you have to build that muscle first of all and uh, yeah at some point we will talk about the podcast and that was the same approach same approach that we used with the podcast as well but we'll come it to come to that later so on you just keep pushing things out and then over time you figure out the sort of things that are working like almost without you know making a note of it or you know you, know, you have it's not like you have 10 bullet points at the end of 20 linkedin posts over that okay the 21st post that i will make should you know follow these 10 bullet points this is not that it's just something switches in your mind you understand what your audience is resonating with and you then your posts start following that playbook like we said right so you do a lot of experiments here also and then you figure out a playbook and then it's a matter of just you know every time you put out something it's just a virtuous cycle the first time the engagement will be you know 100 people then it goes to 500 people 1000 people and one post goes viral right so you can engineer virality many people know how to do that but in most cases you can't and the answer is you keep producing things you keep putting it out there and one day something hits and after that hits you get this exponential growth and then these people start interacting even with your average content and that's how this average content also keeps getting amplified un- until you hit that second viral post or that third viral post and that's how you keep Uh, growing this and on the content itself yes like you said we talk a lot about our learnings because we feel like that's the way to tell our culture because because essentially why we started talking on linkedin was uh, i mean they they call it employer branding we didn't know that term at that point but we were just you know talking about how we work uh, what sort of experiments we do uh, how we think about culture at springworks and what it did was it attracted those sort of people like right uh, so every once in a while out of five employees that we hire at least one or two come back and say hey you know we i we discovered you i discovered you from your linkedin post right may it could be my post or karthik's post or someone else in the team because we have created this culture of now posting on linkedin writing on linkedin which was a very deliberate process by the way right we have run campaigns around it internally as well right so we have divided interns so for example we had this set of 20 interns come in uh, in the early 2020 and we divided them into two teams of 10 each and we said you just talk about your experience you don't have to you know praise springworks or anything as such just talk about your internship experience and whichever groups uh, and we you know anointed a leader for each of the group whichever group gets the most engagement we throw a party for you in like a fancy place right so those sort of things we have also done to um, get this writing culture going right right that's that's really interesting actually that you know you internally you created campaigns to post more on linkedin because i guess you kind of also realized that this was a point of leverage for spring roll uh you know that that you realize that okay with linkedin you're getting a lot of positive results yes. so what other positive results have you got out of consistently posting on linkedin not just you but also the rest of the team oh yeah huge uh, i mean sometimes i wouldn't call it a disadvantage i mean people if people want to leave they leave but you know sometimes people who consistently create content which we have uh you know asked them to do they get recognized by you know other companies and recruiters at other companies and then they get poached by these other companies but yeah i mean it as long as it helps you so we always look at it from the angle of you know as long as the employee is getting better at their craft i mean at some point they will leave right we will just live with it but yeah you know these employees have gotten offers out of posting on linkedin um and uh, of course their uh, status so to speak also improves uh, and it also helps us uh, uh, get recognition for some of our products right so every time we talk about how we use trivia or engage with uh, to better our company culture engagement rewards that sort of stuff someone somewhere is noticing right some hr or people ops person in the other company 
and they might not reach out to you and ask you to give a demo right but what could happen is you reach out to your salesperson reaches out to them with a cold email say 10 days down the line they it immediately clicks right and that's what essentially brand recall is right so oh yeah i saw about this company on linkedin and how they leverage trivia to do that so so they are more likely to you know respond to your cold email so it works in mysterious i mean not really mysterious this is a well known like brand recall is a very well known thing that's why you know companies run ads and you know all your outside uh, outdoor advertisement all of that is essentially brand recall but yeah in the context of linkedin that's what it also helps with really really interesting Cool. Yeah, that that's that's a really good point actually about about brand recall. That's not something that I would have thought about before, but that's that makes a lot of sense especially when a LinkedIn post goes viral and you have no idea, you know, who's watching this post, right? Yeah. It's actually interesting because uh just a few months ago, uh this kind of worked out for me as well. So one of my professors posted one of my YouTube videos on his LinkedIn and then another professor reposted this first professor's post and then the next day you know one of my friends in switzerland you know texts me saying hey you know like my professor in my class uh you know showed me your video in our slack channel which was like which was crazy for me just because of two linkedin posts yeah that's the beauty of internet isn't it yeah it's crazy because like you just never know what's going to happen like you know, so that's the thing like you you keep putting out content and you never know who reposts something or who even likes something and then someone else sees it and then you have no idea what's going to i guess that's what you meant when you said that linkedin works in mysterious ways right yeah yeah it does it does that's that's the beauty of internet not just linkedin right um you you i mean there are so many people who have no business networking with some of the biggest names in the tech world but only because of the fact that they are active on twitter they engage with the tweets of these uh, famous people or busy people whatever you want to call them and they network with them they talk to them they are in their dms right and so internet has essentially short circuited this um this path of you know getting to network with these very busy people which was only possible at even 18 months ago only if you were in silicon valley right only if you were sitting in uh, silicon valley and that has all been taken out of the equation it's it's just beautiful what internet allows you to do Yeah. I before we talk about the podcast and I really want to talk about that. Now that you said Silicon Valley, I also wanted to ask you about so I know that currently in Bangalore the startup ecosystem is booming like anything. I'm I'm Crazy. seeing like so this year like there's been so many like billion dollar plus valuations which is it's crazy. It makes me feel really proud because I'm from Bangalore. And but how how do you feel about that? How is how is um, what are your thoughts around this? Oh yeah crazy the amount of funding that is coming in insane like you said you know we have had 23 unicorns now second only to china i think uh, this year in terms of the number of unicorns and uh, yeah it's just been insane the amount of money that is flowing in uh, it's having a lot of trickle effect of course the main thing that has meant is you know developer salaries have ballooned like anything like it's gone crazy uh people are getting 100% to 200% raises right off the bat like i i know for a fact uh some of my developer friends with 4 years of experience they were making maybe 20 lakhs uh till 16 months ago they are now at 50 lakhs 60 lakhs even crazy crazy just crazy the the how how lucrative the being a developer has become and you know you yeah i do fomo a lot you know why didn't i learn coding and all of that but yeah uh, which also means you know retain, retaining developers has become very difficult and uh, you keep seeing things like so for example i don't know if you know about this but there was this company bharat pay Uh-huh. Uh, which is like a fintech payments company and what they did is they were offering bmw bikes uh to developers and you know you get to work from dubai uh, so there is this uh, cricket championship that happens called indian premier league and that is it is happening in dubai this year because of the pandemic and so the offer is if you join us you get a bmw bike and for one month uh you work out of dubai and you can watch the matches i mean when when it's match time in the evening you watch matches 
and the rest of the time you are in this fancy hotel in dubai working from there so you know like some crazy offers being given out just to hire developers recruit developers but it's 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 good because because i have now seen three cycles of this so the first boom was around the time when flipkart raised this mega round in 2012 13 and is it's always this boom and bust cycle right bust always follows the boom and the second time around it happened in late 2015 16 housing.com uh, company i don't know how many listeners would know about this went bust i mean the salaries had inflated by then and then it went bust and then it was a cycle of you know other companies and the salaries just plummeted so the the people who were getting paid 25 30 lakhs had to you know make do with salaries of 12 lakhs 15 lakhs or other companies because of the fact that their salaries were inflated so much but now what has happened is at least for the developers developer community in india companies outside have figured out that you could still hire from bangalore still give them higher salaries compared to an average indian salary but it it would still be super cheap compared to your developer out of uh, san francisco right because they would be starting at what 200000 dollars 250000 you could give your indian developer 60000 dollars which is insane money for an indian developer which is still chump change for you as a company's Uh, based out of san francisco so yeah those dynamics are really changing a lot and uh, yeah but but good times it's interesting times let's see how long this lasts this time yeah that that is really really interesting because it's like i think indians at least for developers as far as developers are concerned it looks like indian salaries and european salaries are at par at this point 100% which is crazy <laughs> because like the cost of living in india is so much lesser than what it is over here yeah so, yeah at the end of the day you probably make more money in india than uh, someone over here makes which is crazy yeah yeah, yeah. no nope, and and if you think about it you know if the scale is the same if the output is the same why you should why should you be paid you know differently what i do agree with is there is a uh sort of a bonus or you know extra salary component if you're living in san francisco right because of the fact that you know rents are very expensive and all of that right but it the salary should be comparable to the average developer salary in us right why should a average uh, salary making developer in the us and the same person in india be paid any different right i'm not saying make it equal to san francisco salaries because there are components of whatever dearness allowance or whatever you call it there but uh, yeah otherwise if the output is the same if you're getting the same skill set uh, then why should the pay be different yeah i guess you know these are the kinds of questions people have started to ask after the internet because especially now after the pandemic when you can just work from wherever you want right you know what's this how do you answer this question about salary yeah 100% and you know there are some weird uh, justifications that some founders or employers come up with and uh, like i said i literally believe the only correct justification is you know san francisco has inflated salaries so it should not be equal to sf salaries but then then people have you know weird reasons for people coming back to office you know we want this bond between employees and you know creativity cannot happen when you are talking on zoom and all sorts of weird stuff and i feel like this office this 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 culture of working out of an office has sort of conditioned us to base our social relationships only with other employees or teammates right so if you are if you ask any of our uh, any of us even for example or people who are 10 years senior to us all of their best friends would have come from some work relationship right so from previous company or the current company they are at and that's almost one of the ways that employers now that you think about it the employers have been able to keep you in office right because all your social relationships are here come to office every day go out and have a smoke break with them after work you know go out uh, for a couple of drinks or two lunch you should be having with them so it's almost like you are you know bonded to uh, this circle social circle within the company but now you think now if you think about it why should that be the case like there are so many other communities that i can be a part of on the internet right 
and uh, that that is just endless i am interested in fictional uh, reading fiction books why should i be you know talking to my teammates who all read non fiction books and be friends with them why can't i be a part of a community that you know is loves reading fiction uh, loves doing i don't know carpentry woodwork why shouldn't i hang out with them so all of these notions are being tested now uh, not just salaries uh, i mean yeah that's that's so that's really yeah that that makes so much sense because earlier like it's it's not just at work but i also kind of experienced this in school as well like people going to universities now especially in the last one year they had to do everything online so it kind of just like forces you to take a like take to take a step back and you know reassess how you're spending your time and who you're spending your time with because earlier when it was like when you go to work when you go to uni you kind of just like hang out with people in your class or you hang out with people in your team just by default but yeah. now you have to be like a lot more intentional about who you hang out with and you know where you hang out with them correct really 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 cool okay so speaking about speaking about your podcast i saw that you guys recently hit 100 episodes Yes. Which, and 5000 downloads in just like 6 months or so that's that's yeah. crazy 5 months actually It, wow it's day 165 today since we did uh, posted our first podcast we've got 104 episodes live and now 5600 downloads as of today uh, yeah i check it every day because it's so much fun to see it grow but yeah uh, it was i exactly remember the day you know we met in person karthik and anup who is our vp bd and ops and me we met at a cafe in bangalore uh, face to face after whatever an year or so uh, and you know one of the things that we discussed is why don't we do this podcast because there is like i said going back to the point about unlocking knowledge right so there are so many of these hr experts and people ops experts who've been doing this for multiple of years right uh, and they never talk about it i mean all they do on linkedin is you know talk about recruitment and things like that but how can you go and have deeper conversations with them and that's how we started thinking about it and we were very clear about one thing at the start we will not focus on you know making this the best produced podcast as in we will not focus on you know having the perfect audio setup um mic doesn't matter uh camera for you know recording the video doesn't matter let's just start with the basics let's get this guest on a zoom call record the conversation edit out of course you know if there is some sort of an internet outage or something edit those parts out but just put the raw conversation out there now what that ensured is we are not focusing on these that's that's what end up ends up happening right when you're trying to ship something or publish something or build something you start focusing on all these non essentials right so you start if you start if you're thinking of becoming a youtuber you will start focusing on getting the best camera and you know my light should be you know i should have a key light and a focus light and my background should look nice and all of that and that's where the friction comes in and you end up never starting anything right and so that that's what we took out of the equation we will just focus on getting a raw conversation out and we will get 100 conversations out by the end of the year that was our goal and uh, yeah we have been once we started doing it you know i had done zero podcast before that i had been on one podcast as guest but i had done zero podcasts as a host of a podcast and i started doing it and you know in the beginning even anup and karthik also did a couple of episodes by the way just to get the ball rolling right and yeah then i started liking the conversations because i was i'm not from an hr background so it's very very useful to be getting 45 minutes with a person and understanding in their language right talking their language and you can take that back to your marketing as well right so the copy that you are writing or the creatives that you are doing or the blog posts all of that knowledge is very important right so that's how i started seeing it i started seeing these podcast conversations as something that helps me satiate my curiosity 
And I think that's true for you folks as well, right? That's what you're doing. Uh, and as a byproduct of it, yeah, you are getting a podcast out. Uh, you know, the guest is happy. You get this one-on-one -on -one time with a guest, which is highly unlikely if you write them a cold email, right? Can we get an hour with you on your calendar? No, straight answer, no. But you ask them to uh, come on a podcast, in some ways that's, you know, status, right? As in they can, you know, share with their group, their other teammates and family, hey, I was on this podcast. So it's a it's a nice status thing for them, them, for them as well. So yeah, that's how we looked at it. And then over time, many people from within the company um, started, you know, helping us out with guest reach outs, a couple of people, uh, other people also volunteered to become hosts. So then we can, we could scale it up, right? So that's how we have been able to do 100 episodes in just exactly five months. Uh, we were able to do 100 episodes and it was beautiful. Like on the same day we hit 100 episodes, we hit 5,000 downloads as well. Uh, but yeah, the next step is of course, focusing on the distribution a lot more uh, because we have been just focusing on, you know, pushing podcasts out. But now we have a very credible brand, right? Uh, you reach out to even a very famous guest if they see, you know, this podcast has 100 episodes, that's huge credibility, right? They would want to come on your podcast. So we have solved for all of these basics. Hygiene has been taken care of. Brand has been, I mean, brand has not been built. Brand gets built over time. But at least the basics of it has been taken care of. And now we can be much more deliberate about it, right? So we can curate the guests in an even better manner. We can focus on getting a nicer intro. We can focus on getting, um, yeah, maybe a couple of uh, 30 second ads in between. Talking about our own product, we don't want to monetize this podcast from external ads or something. But now we can focus on the non-essentials. Now that we have essentials in place and an engine that's, you know, going, working as it is. I think that's really interesting that with a the podcast, these metrics aren't really like public. Right, your your number of plays, number of downloads, they're not really public. So I guess your main metric that people look at to judge how credible your podcast is is your number of episodes. Episodes, yeah. I, and then we have gotten you know uh, some rejections uh, saying that you know oh this is new, come back to me when you have X number of podcasts. Right. So it does matter a lot. Uh, it's it's and there are stats like I had posted about this on Twitter. I heard this on. Uh, uh, some other podcast, uh, I forget the name of the podcast, but the stat is, you know, 90% of the podcast, by the way, 4,000 podcasts get new podcasts get published every week, every week. That's insane. Wait, you mean 4,000 new podcast episodes or 4,000 new podcasts? 4,000 new podcasts properties right. every <clears throat> week. And, uh, so yeah, the stat goes something like this, 90% of the podcasts, uh, and while I say it, let me pull that tweet up so that I don't get the numbers wrong. But 90% of the podcasts don't go beyond episode three. That's just three episodes. So you are already, you know, better than 90% of the podcasts out there, because I know for a fact, this is the fourth episode, if not the fifth or sixth. Right. And then, yeah, some more huh, of the two. Okay. So that's 2 million podcasts that are currently there. So that, you know, eliminates 1.8 million podcasts right off the bat. Of the 200,000 that are left, 90% will quit after 20 episodes. That's another, another 180,000 episodes gone, right? So essentially to be in the top 1% of podcasts in the world, you only need to publish 21 episodes. That's it. And that's insane. If you just think about like, you know, some would say, oh, 21 episodes, that's not a lot. But it just goes back to the fact that people, consistency is a superpower. You, It's very difficult to produce something consistently. And that's why people stop at three. I mean, 90% of them at three. And uh, almost everyone by the episode 20, it fizzles out. You don't want to do it anymore for whatever reason, right? Because they might not be getting engagement, enough listens. But what people don't understand is your first viral episode will probably happen at episode number 80, which is true for Joe Rogan, which is true for Tim Ferriss, right? So, yeah. 
Yeah, that 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 makes so much. I I like what you said about consistency is a superpower. And you know, from what I can see is like this seems to be like a theme anywhere you go online, not just online, but even offline. Just like anytime you're trying to build a brand, you need consistency over quality. Yeah. Right. And I see that's what most people have done. Yeah. Quality comes with consistency, by the way. That's what I mentioned, right? That's why quality follows quantity. You keep doing something enough number of times. I mean, if I go back and hear my first episode that I hosted, I'm sure I did a bad job of it. May it might not be visible because we don't put out the video. Maybe I'm nervous on the video or something of that sort. Maybe it doesn't come out in the audio. But there will be a well audible difference between my first episode and now maybe I have done sixty or seventy episodes as host, right? Because I now understand what sort of questions to ask. So initially, you know. i would just go with x number of questions and i would ask question one question after the other but now it has become more of a conversation like if i met this person in a uh, in a cafe right what sort of a conversation i in, in fact i tell my guest beforehand that that is what i would want to have rather than you know sending you a list of questions and then we doing like a interview sort of a thing right and yeah it just improves over time you know how to ask the right questions and again i'm not saying i i'm there yet uh, but yeah over time you just understand learn how to ask better questions right yeah that that, that makes that makes so much sense well, in we, fact we... in fact while while i'm there uh, i'm really excited about you know you folks know andrew warner mixer g not one of really. the one of the og podcasts out there and uh, he is writing a book on asking the right questions so what is the what is his tactics so i i was uh, part of his book reading on zoom a couple of weeks back where he's reading you know certain episodes from his uh, sorry certain chapters from his book and one of the, one of the interesting tactics was how he got even founders who were very particular about holding back information on how much revenue they made they would never tell it to any journalist but he was able to get it out from these founders and uh, yeah i will i will leave it for the listeners to uh, get the book i think it's coming out in another month or so i am really excited about it but because i really want to become uh, the best question asker if not i i don't want to say the host of the podcast but you know asking good questions is a skill uh like i'm still improving a lot but yeah like i said you know 60 70 episodes now i have improved a lot and i'm pretty sure there is huge scope of improvement still there so when you say you've improved a lot what's the what are some of the things that you've noticed yourself improving at when it comes to asking good questions yeah like i said you know so previously what would happen is you know question number 3 i mean of course i was sending out guess the question beforehand and i still do some guests you know insist on getting the questions beforehand which is completely understandable right so with some of the bigger companies you know pr communications come into the picture right so every answer every question will be looked at before something goes out to public so it's understandable but in many ways i try and avoid sending them the questions for as long as possible unless you know the mail comes two days before the recording that hey why haven't you sent me the questions are we doing this or not and then i have to but initially what i was doing is question number 2 done i move to question number 3 oh that's you know oh that's a good answer let's uh, okay next next is this question but now i what i find myself do, doing is and that's where you know I, what i said uh i think some time back comes into the picture is i try to satiate my curiosity so i don't i go with the assumption that i know nothing about this topic which is true in most cases because i'm not from an hr background and i just ask questions as a total noob as a no novice right so for example if if it is if it is a conversation around and i i do, that conversation comes to mind immediately is was around you know uh how to build a incentive plan for sales people i have no idea at all i have never worked in sales uh, um, at, uh, apart from you know my first stint which was a very short stint so i was very much interested in you know figuring out how do sales incentives work how do you set up compensation plans and such and i kept asking these you know rapid fire questions one after the other and the guest is also happy because you know they are they are uh, giving answers to something that they do day in and day out and are proud of 
you know, because this is a person who is responsible for setting the compensation plan, ensuring you move uh, salespeople from being account executives to BDRs and SDRs and such. So yeah, it's it's when, you know, I am getting answers to questions that I've already always had about that particular topic or function is when I get the best conversations out of people. Right. So it's, it's basically all about satiating your curiosity and just like taking it 100%. as a conversation. 100%. I'm pretty sure if I do a marketing podcast, for example, my conversations will not be as good. Because then I am biased. I have my colored lenses, right? I will keep bringing in my um, experiences and my thought processes into it. And I will not ask the right questions. Right. Right. So that's why it works better for me because I host an HR podcast. Right. That's, and that's this, really interesting. That, that is something that you folks should also look out for being in the marketing space. Yeah, that, that exactly. That, that's really, really interesting, actually. Yeah. Well, cool. Thanks a lot, Abhash. Uh, Lydia and Alice, do you have any other questions or any other things you want to say? Uh, I'm absolutely good now. And thank you so much for this interview. What you say is very interesting for me. And I personally think it's really also help, help, very like helpful for us to, to improve our podcast in the future. Thank you so much for coming today. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I don't have any question. And it thank you so much for sharing a lot of your experience and also i like what you said um like uh not repeating one experience for 100 times yeah. it's very inspiring yeah. thank you so much and congratulations to you folks on episode number four and being in the top 10 percent podcast <laughs> of the world well thanks a lot yeah i feel like we really unpacked a lot today which was very very interesting for me to listen to as well and it was also nice to catch up with you after so long likewise man thank you <laughs>